the Boston Celtics. Are the Sixers still behind the Boston Celtics? And do the Celtics have a chance to win the championship this year? You are locked on 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm your host, Keith Pompey. I want to thank you for joining in today, but also I want to thank my man, G. Wash, Gary Washburn, uh, for joining the show. Now, if y'all don't know Gary, y'all don't know the NBA. Gary Washburn is one of the nation's best columnists. He's also, he works for the Boston Globe. He's been covering uh, professional sports for over 20 years, award-winning columnist, and he knows everything about the Boston Celtics, you know, inside and out. So it makes a lot of sense to have Gary on here to talk about the Celtics. And the reason why I want to talk about the Celtics is you guys know the Celtics has always been like the Sixers nemesis. The Sixers have never, since I covered the team, been able to beat them in the big games. And right now we look at Christos Persingas, we look at the other moves that the Celtics have made, and I got to ask G. Wash because he's always straight up, ask him about the Celtics and and how good they're going to be this year. Gary, you know, Boston lost in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Uh, They eliminated the Sixers. The year before that, they went to uh, the NBA Finals and and lost. this year's team, do, what, what do you like about it? And first of all, do you feel like this team, with the addition of Chris Stiles Persingas, is going to be better than last year's squad? Yeah, that's, that's hard to say because I think they felt like the Miami series really, like I felt like the entire playoffs, they knew that they were limited. Like what I mean by that is they let the Hawks take in the six games. They should have probably either swept the Hawks or took them out in five. And then the Sixers series, they felt like they gave away game four, the one where James, um, they left James Harden wide open in the corner for the three. They could have went up 3-1 in that series. Instead, they fell behind 3-2. They had to rally to win that series. And then against the Heat, the Heat is their nemesis, exposes all their weaknesses. Eric Spolstra outcoached Joe Mazzula by leaps and bounds, coached circles around them. They went up 3-0. The Celtics tie it. And then they just got tired in game seven. Their offense was terrible. So they, I think they felt that playoff run had a lot of cracks in it. They should have eliminated the Hawks quicker. They should have eliminated the Sixers quicker. And they should have beat the Heat. And they should have been playing the Nuggets in the final. So I think they felt like we can't run the same team out there this coming up year and expect the same results. Like we have to do something with this team to, to jolt it, to get better offensively, to get better, harder to guard. And, um, you know, and it was obviously the beginning of it was it was supposed to be Malcolm Brogdon was supposed yeah. to go the reigning sixth man of the year. Mm-hmm. And what I think the problem with that is, like, Brogdon has 
Like he came to Boston with a reputation of being a floor leader, a point guard in Indiana and Milwaukee, a good defender. And the Celtics were like, we we need you to be Vinnie Johnson. We need you to be scoring off the bench. We need you to be Jamal Crawford. So everything else besides his scoring slipped. He wasn't a good defender. He really didn't get a lot of, uh, you know, time, especially down the stretch at point guard. Because remember, Keith, in the finals, they had trouble executing their offense. And a lot of people blame Marcus Smart for that. They said he's not a true point guard. You can't get them in the sets. Their offense is terrible down the stretch. They just, you know, they blew that game four that I think they'll regret for a long time against um, when they're up, I think, six points of five minutes left. They win that game. They go up 3-1. Instead, Steph goes crazy. They don't ever win another game in that series. So they felt something had to change. And so it was supposed to be Brogdon. Obviously, Brogdon had the, had the elbow injury that kind of really limited him um, in the Miami series, limited him in the Miami series. So it was supposed to be him when it wasn't Memphis, who has been interested in Marcus Smart for about five years, swooped in and was like, we don't want we don't want um uh Brogdon, but we sure as hell will take smart off your hands. And so that's where everything Tyus Jones goes to Washington. So then they get Porzingis. So to me, I don't know how this is gonna look because now they're saying, well, Derek White will be your point guard. Okay. Derek White has had, had a rough first half when he came over to he, he uh trade deadline in 2022, it was rough. He plays – he's one of those – I mean, Keith, you know the league. Some dudes got confidence up the yin-yang. You know, there's dudes on the on the roster that, like, I'm a, I am know I'm one for 20, but I'm going to keep shooting 20 more. Derek White is a dude that if he's not confident, he does not play well. He doesn't have that automatic NBA player swag. So him having a full training camp and him playing a specific role, he flourished. Second team all defense. Like, he really – had a good year, but point guard is a whole nother ask. That's getting dudes in the sets. That's telling Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown where to be. Get your ass over here in the post. Like all that. Is he going to be that guy? Like who is going to be the point guard of this team? Because you didn't traded your point guard, all his flaws and faults. He did get the team into his sets at times. He did have a positive impact on the team. So it's hard to say, Keith, like, is, is that going to work? You know, and they're like, well, Jason Tatum is going to handle it. Like, so now, in addition to scoring 30 points a game, now you want Jason to be the point guard too? Point forward? Like, okay, that's a lot of responsibility. Jalen still got to get his handle together. We all know that that's been a problem. So he can't really play point. So their point guard is a question. And then they let, you know, it was kind of like with the Sixers where the Sixers lost George Niang to Cleveland, mm-hmm. the Celtics lose Grant Williams to Dallas. And as much as Grant had people, oh, he talked too much, he always talked to refs, I liked Grant. He's a good cop, good, solid kid, good family. Like, he works his ass off. And he's their second-best defender, and he's not afraid of nobody. He showed that against Jimmy Butler. People was like, oh, don't talk to the – don't poke the bear, don't talk to – like, he had enough heart to go up against Jimmy Butler. Now he lost, but he had enough heart to go up against Jimmy Butler. So to me, Keith – it's hard to say whether the, the, this could work wonders. They got Porzingis. So now they're harder to guard. Three shooters on the floor, 
with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Al Porzingis, and then Robert Williams and probably either Al Horford. They have to figure out who's going to start. They, I mean, sorry, with Derek White, maybe Al Horford uh, comes off the bench. So they've got three legitimate floor-stretching players. Last year, they didn't have enough shooting. They still Shooting has always been a problem. They got O'Shea Brissett, who might be a really sneaky move, the kid from Indiana who I, I watched him in person hit seven threes against the Celtics two years ago. He was looking like Steph, and he's got – He's got kind of a heart. He's got. They hope that he replaces Grant Williams because he's got. He could. He's six eight. He can defend. He's kind of. He's tough. He got a lot of heart, and he ain't making a lot of money because the Grant thing was all about money. That second apron, Jason. Because remember, uh, Jalen just signed for three hundred five million. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jason next year is More getting three. <laughs> Jason is getting three thirty next year. So yeah. you basically got $635 million invested in two players until you decide to trade one of them or whatever happens. So the Celtics are like, okay, we got to figure out who to pay and who not to pay, and we can't pay Grant. We can't pay Grant $15 million a year. That's what he wanted. He wanted $13, $15 million a year. That wasn't going to work. So Moshe Brissett makes like $3 million. So it was it was economical, so this team Keith could be a lot better. A lot of you know, you know, with with, with guys in there who can help a deeper bench with Sweet Masalik, um, you know, Delano Blanton from the Toronto Raptors, uh, Peyton Pritchard coming back, Sam Hauser, Brogdon who's now healthy, and we'll see his attitudes like. I I don't think he's happy with went, went down, so I think they're gonna have to kind of. Talk to him a little bit about, you know, hey man, we're sorry. We know this is the business of the league. You grown man, this is what your role. We need you back. So they could be better or they could be worse. Like, and I hate to sound like that, but I have no idea how Derek White's gonna work at point guard. I thought that they would sign a point guard like a veteran, Chris Paul, somebody who can just run the show, shoot off the pick and roll, but they decided to go with Derek White and they gave up Marcus. So to me, the Celtics are, are championship contenders. Their window is open. The talent-wise, they have some of the best talent in the league. You know, I mean, you could tell me what you think about the West is tough with the Lakers now fully loaded. Yeah. Phoenix, Denver's coming back. And people are not people are still sleeping on Denver, even though they won the championship. Yeah. Um, the Clippers are gonna be apparently healthy, like, but in the East. You're looking at Giannis, and he keeps saying how, like, he – I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be back in Milwaukee long. Oh, y'all – you know, like, he – Giannis is putting out them feelers, and then Miami is waiting for Lillard. Um, the Knicks, you know, we don't know. Like, I think the Knicks will take a step forward. Um, so, if you're the Celtics in the Heat, you know, it's like, if you're the Celtics, it's this is the this is their year to win it. No excuses, no BS. Mm-hmm. Like full year with Joe Missoula, new coaching staff, as we'll talk about later with San Cassell and Charles Lee. Like it's time. Yeah, you're, so, you're, you're no, it's yeah, you're exactly. I mean, you're exactly right. But you know what? The biggest question I have before we go to this break, and we'll get into some of the other things, is like when 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 you're talking about the starters, I'm I'm looking at it like, okay, so we know that Malcolm Brogdon is a guy 
who he he doesn't he can play he can get guys in the sets right he's shown that but he also has shown that he can do the other things as far as being a quality defender and all that other stuff why isn't he starting like you know what i mean as a point guard it's since I don't he, know. yeah that's a good question i but, thought you know it's like because when they signed when they traded for him keith it was like well he's gonna have the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter over marcus smart because as we all know marcus smart didn't really handle himself all that well in the finals in terms of getting into the offense. Mm-hmm. Then when we got to training camp, they're telling Malcolm, you're the sixth man. You ain't playing with that much of Marcus. So it's like somebody made that decision, yeah. right? And then they Marcus, sorry, Malcolm did what they asked him to do. So that's why I think he's like, I win sixth man of the year and y'all fools trying to trade me? Like, <laughs> this is what y'all, like, you, you asked me to score off the bench. Shoot forty four percent from three, bingo, mm-hmm. and you know he did not have a good playoffs or whatever. Especially the Miami, he was hurt. But he's like, now y'all trying to move me, you know? And so that's why I think he was upset. But you would think that they would try to impl- implement him as maybe a second point guard, or they're gonna, you know, is it Peyton Pritchard? Like to me, Peyton Pritchard's a guy. Like this is the whole thing. He was in the doghouse last year, like. Missoula made it clear it was a couple guys he didn't like to play much. Grant Williams, until he had to, and Peyton Pritchard. Okay, Peyton Pritchard is didn't get me taller. Okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, he's the same guy. He's 26. He is who he is. So now you're going to give him more time because you know you need him because he told me that he was he was hoping to get traded at the deadline last year. He straight up said it on the record, Keith. I was kind of disappointed I didn't get moved. Like Celtics fans, you know, it's like Philly, like, oh, you don't want to be here? Get up out. Get, get <laughs> yeah, you know, the fans went, went did not like that he said that. Now he's back, right? Yeah. Like, okay. Um, and he's got a role. So the same thing with Malcolm. It's like you didn't try to trade Malcolm and you're bringing him back. And then you want it. And then your, your, your backup, Pete Pritchard, wanted out because you weren't playing him. And now basically he's, you're going to like implement him and give him a role. So yeah. how is all that going to work? It, and that's it. You still have some of the best talent. you got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. you got Porzingis when he's healthy. Robert Williams had a first, his first healthy off season, probably in his career where he wasn't rehabbing something. Al Horford, your guy, he's 37. So you got to lighten up on his minutes. And Al, unfortunately, like he stopped shooting in the paint. Like Al don't do paint no more. Like we, you know, like he just sat there. And, I mean, he would get the ball in the paint and just pass it to three points. She was like, Al, in your olden days, in your Atlanta days, you was posting jump hook, short. Nope, you don't do that no more. So you have two post guys in Williams <laughs> and Horford who don't have post games anymore. That's yeah. the problem. That's what Porzingis can get you can post up he can't shoot over any defender you know so to me it's a lot of things that gotta happen in training camp we'll see and obviously we'll be out there for the preseason in philly in mid-october like how this all is going to work because it's a lot of moving parts um yeah and and the management took a chance by moving smart because they felt like they had to give Brown and Tatum, more responsibility leadership-wise. I think there were some people in the organization who felt like Smart's shadow over the organization, his influence was too much. Like, for a guy who was not a superstar, like, his 
overall impact influence was just getting too much. Like we got to get him out of here. Not anything he's done, but we got to give our stars a chance to lead. And so we'll see if that happens. Cause I, he, I can't tell you how it's all going to, it sounds good on paper, you know, but Porzingis got to be healthy. They need a, they need a big, they like, Williams has got injury issues, Horford 37, and Porzingis got injury, injury issues. So they don't have a healthy, dominant center. Like, I don't know who, who's going to guard Joel B. <laughs> it used to be Marcus. Like, yeah. who, I don't know. Like, who? Yeah. I, I Horford? Okay. Grant Williams? 37. Grant Williams yeah. used to guard him. He gone. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's who's going to guard Joel? I'd like to see that. Is it going to be Robert Williams? Like, are they going to give him more responsibility? Like, okay, Robert, we're taking the training wheels off. It's time for you to start guarding every other quality center in the league. Like, we got to see what you got as opposed to we're going to protect you, keep you out of foul trouble. So, so like, I'm fascinated to see what happens when the Sixers play the Celtics that first game in because preseason, shoot, MB might not even play, but their regular season because I don't know who's going to guard Joel MB because the two guys who used to guard him, you know, like sometimes are gone. Yeah, that's going to be crazy. That's going to be crazy. But look, we'll talk about more when we get right back. I want to talk to y'all about Jace Medical, right? Jace, um, and with Jace Medical, you can get the Jace case. Now, the thing about the Jace case is it provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is to fill out a simple online form, and in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of our board-certified physicians. Get ongoing care from our physicians on any treatment-related questions, doctor-created, doctor-recommended. So what you don't want to do is you don't want to be caught unprepared. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Jace handles everything from online evaluations to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultant care, right? So this is what you need to do, right? This is what you need to do. You need to save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Now, now, Wash, you said a lot of great things, right? A lot of them. And, and the thing that gets me, like the one thing that I will say from the outside looking in with the whole Marcus Smart thing is, it's like, a, to me, I, I keep going back and forth because, you know, Marcus Smart had, was the heart and soul of the Celtics. Like he was the gritty one. Like he was the guy people forget in the beginning, in the first game of the season, the first game of the season, he got into it with Joel Embiid. You rarely don't see guards standing toe to toe with a with a center, right? But I also realized that I felt like Marcus Smart, he might not be the best point guard out there, but he's a winner. He knows what to win. Marcus Smart has also been in the league for a while now. And there were times last year I saw in that series with the Sixers where Joe Mazzulu was doing some things that maybe Marcus didn't agree with. And you saw some facial expressions from Marcus, right? So maybe that could have been the thing, like you said, he's hovering over over the franchise. But at the same time, when we talk about grit, 
We talk about certain guys that you need in the locker room to win a championship. That's that dude. And I, and I felt like, yeah, he wasn't, he's not the, let's face it. He's not the all-star. He's not the most, he's not the highest paid player, but he's a leader and he leads in his own way. Right. Um, So I, I think that they're going to miss him. But the one thing that I will say, when we talk about the East, you look at the Sixers. Now, two questions people in philly are going to be a little upset with me for saying this but would you rather have this james harden situation looming over or deciding who the point guard is going to be would you you know what i mean so like you know what i mean like like and then you look at milwaukee i think that the whole Giannis thing like i do think that once the season starts he might like zip up a little bit and just start to play because right now like you said um, the window is there for the Celtics. The window was also there for Milwaukee. They brought everybody back. And if the, after a while, it's going to be like, okay, what you trying to do? You trying to get your brother like more money? Is that what you're trying to do? But because I think that it's there for them to win. My big thing is, is wondering just how, what is Persinga is going to do to kind of fit into the loop with the other two guys to free them up to have to allow them to have some more success, right? Because let's face it, both of them are pretty good players. Like you said, uh, Jalen Brown, I mean, Jason Tatum is about to get 330 or whatever it is next season. So to me, I think the Celtics are there, right? But um, when we look at it and you say from the, the West, the West, you know, I'm, I, I see what Phoenix is doing. I got to see if it's going to work because I have to see if if Bradley Bill is going to buy into that role of him being a point guard, so to speak, and deferring to other people. Um, Denver, you know, Denver is good, but but sometimes, you know, teams have that championship hiccup, right? Uh, the Lakers, I, I think the Lakers are getting too old. Like LeBron is getting too old. I know they're getting new guys and stuff like that. But I do think it's out there for the ball for the Celtics to get it. Now, the one thing that we talked about is the biggest weakness I saw on that Celtics team last year was the coaching staff. You know, no offense. It was like, you know, Joe Mazzullo wasn't even one of the top coaches before he got the job. You know what I mean? Um, the year before that. And then there were certain people that I saw, like who was on the on the bench, who these were new roles to them, too. Right. So. Right now, you look at it, they went out there and they got Sam Cassell, who people in Philadelphia are upset because he left, um, other coaches. I feel like that this team with Joe Mazzullo, this staff is going to help them out. And to me, that's one of the both the most underrated pickups that this team has in regards to going out there getting quality assistant coaches. Yeah, Keith, last year it was just – to, I mean, the only person you can really blame is Ime Udoka. That whole situation was just a mess. Like, right before training camp, so this time last year, right, like, all this is going down. And Ime gets suspended, and eventually now is coaching Houston Rockets. His staff is there. His staff want to get paid, too. Like, they're not going to quit or walk away. And I think Ime told his staff that he put together, hey, guys, if they're going to keep you, um, stay on. And then the moment I get a new job, because I'm going I'm to I'm you know, wait this on out, and the moment I get a new job, 
I'll bring you on to my staff. So just hang on and just work this year in Boston. So you had Eme staff plus Joe Missoula was a holdover along with a guy named Tony Dobbins and they give Missoula the job. So what happens if they give that job to Ben Sullivan, one of Eme's guys? Or do we have do we have this situation? We don't know. Ben Sullivan's an aspiring head coach. They could have given the job to Damon Stoudemire, former NBA point guard. We all know Damon, Mighty Mouse, rook, former rookie of the year, all you know, all-star, you know, just a, a guy who's proved his, you know, worth as a coach at D1 level and was an assistant coach before in Memphis. So they could have given it to him. They gave it to Missoula. So I don't know what kind of issues that caused amongst that staff. I think the staff was like, let's just stay together and make this work. But there was a level of confusion and a lack of experience. Stoudemire, who is the old head, all of what you wanted in a coach, you know, played in the league at a high level. The players know him. If they don't know him, they can look at him on YouTube. Um Still looks young, still can hoop a little bit, you know, like he's not one of them dudes walking with a cane. Like he's exactly what the NBA wants in assistant coaches like Sam Cassell. So he leads to Georgia Tech in the middle of the season. So now you got Missoula and Emay's guys, and it's like they're just trying to make it work. And I just think they were way over their heads, and it got exposed in the playoffs. Quinn Snyder outcoached them. Doc outcoached him all the way until game five or game six when he decided to start Robert Williams and Doc didn't have no more bullets left. And James was James was out of out of gas and you know maybe a little too much party or whatever. And that was the, the key to that series. And then Spolstra just you know lapped him in terms of coaching. So now you have San Cassell who is gonna play the perfect role. Like you know, Keith, we can, I can ask you, you can ask me, why has San Cassell not been a head coach in this league? We do not know. He gets along great with the players, two, uh, three-time champion, two in Houston, one in Boston, played 15, 16 years, played great college ball, played at a great team of flight. We've known San Cassell for 30 years. No issues off the floor. As far as I mean, still can't get a head coaching job. So he comes to Boston but his attitude is like, I'm going to help. I'm going to work with Jason and James. I'm going to help these young guys get to the next step. He's taking the right attitude. Now, people are like, well, if something happened with Missoula, they start out like 10 and 15, this could settle job. It could be. Maybe that's why him and Charles Lee came, because they know that if some stuff goes down, it could be their head coaching job. But I also think they Joe needed some fresh blood. Get rid of, you know, Emay's guys. Three of them went to Houston. One of them went to New Orleans. You know, so they're gone. They're they're happy getting, you know, they got positions. So I think the addition of Cassell and Charles Lee, who's the kind of the guy that we all don't know a whole lot about, kind of a quiet guy, but is in Milwaukee. And then they got um, Phil Pressey, uh, former Celtic kind of mm-hmm. journeyman, who's yeah. now on their staff. So he's, he's kind of a – he's the guy that – you know, I think I think Phil might be 31, 30. So he's a young guy that they can relate to because, you know, you know how it is, Keith. You got to put these staffs. You got to be delicate with these staffs. Like you got to put the old head. You got to get the former player. You got to get the guy who's going to work 18 hours a week 
you know, sorry, a day, put, you know, giving them, giving them, you know, giving James the proper passes with practice. You got to give mm-hmm. all these guys on there that has a specific role. And so they are trying to fill that. And I think a full off season, full confidence, Missoula, he can now start this season knowing this is his team, his franchise, and he can, and he has a full confidence organization. Cause I thought, I thought if they had got swept by Miami, his job was going to be on the line. It was going to be mm-hmm. close because there was some coaching candidates out there and the, the folks were circling and calling Brad Stevens saying, you know how the league is, Keith. Hey, man, yeah. if you, you know, I'm interested if your boys, if you, you want to get rid of your boy, I'm interested in coming in there because that would have been the premium job. Even yeah, no doubt. Knows maybe Nick Nurse might have been. Into, we don't know, right? Like, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it could have been over Philly. You don't know, like. But I know that there were there were coaches who were calling Brad Stevens, expressing interest in that job. So they had to come out quickly and say we're going to bring him back. So the coaching staff is very important. Gives them one of it's one of the probably the one of the times that I've noticed covering the team that the coaching staff is critical. Like usually. You know, you get a head coach in charge, you get your assistants, and, and you know, they generally make the right moves. You know, mm-hmm. usually you lose with talent or you might lose because of stubbornness of a philosophy. Some people blame Doc for what happened in Philly and how come, you know, why you get along with James or why you do this, let James give him the keys or whatever. But this season was the first one where I literally saw how a coaching staff is critical and how guys like Spolstra and some of these guys, even Quinn Snyder, who, you know, had his troubles in Utah, but it's just they they sense vulnerability and they attack it. And so yeah. that might happen. That might we'll see if that happens this year. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, I, I think Sam, like you said, Sam and I was going to be good for him. And let's face, let's face it. This is a, a, a players league driven league. And uh, you got two all stars, you know, um, you know, all NBA guys, you have, you know, the unicorn, so to speak. So I feel like everything is going to be good for him. But look, when we get back from this break, I want to talk to you about the perception of the Sixers and Philadelphia. And, you know, um, because growing up, I grew up in Philly, Wash, and we hated the Celtics. We hated everything about Boston. And I wasn't even a Sixers fan, but we hated this. I hated the Celtics. But I want to talk to you about this. I'll talk about that when I get right back. So Bird Dog. Bird Dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thighs and legs, giving you a truly sculpted look, right? You know what I mean? Bird Dog, Bird Dog shirts do the exact same thing, you know, as Lumeron, but fit way better, way better. So what you need to do is, right, y'all, if y'all want to get these Bird Dogs, you go to Bird Dog dot com locked on nba or enter the promo code locked on nba at checkout for a free bird dog water bottle with your order that's birddog.com slash locked on nba for a free water bottle at checkout you won't want to take your bird dogs off we promise you we promise you and plus i don't want to see you take the bird dogs off so you know what i mean do it, it do me that favor but but G Wash, look. So I'm gonna be honest. So I grew up in Boston. Right? I mean, I grew up in Philly, and you know, it used to be that rivalry where uh, you know 
the Sixers and, and the Celtics. And I remember the first couple of times I went to Boston, I was like, dang, man, these people kind of cool. Some of these people are cool, right? Because I was always taught to hate people from Boston. Now, the thing is that I've realized with rivalries are that the Sixers hated the Celtics because they couldn't get past the Celtics in a way, right? They just couldn't. Now, you did have Wilt Chamberlain going up against Bill Russell. You know what I mean? That was like two epic centers, centers, excuse me. Um, but when you think of the Celtics, you know, you think of when you look at rivalries, national perception is the Celtics rivalry rival is the Lakers, mm-hmm. right? Everybody mm-hmm. talks about that. And I and and what I want to ask you is how do people in Boston perceive it? Because you know you've been here. They hate the Celtics in Philly. In Boston, they boo the Sixers too, but I've never been to a Celtics Lakers game. So but my question is, is is the rivalry just one-sided? Or, you know, I know it's a rivalry on both sides, but is the do the people in Boston hate the people in Philly like or hate the Sixers like the Sixers fans hate the Celtics? I think they don't hate them as much because they've had so much success over the years, mm-hmm. even back to Russell against Chamberlain. You know, I mean, Chamberlain's uh, crew was only able to get past the the six the Celtics in '67, and that's the year they I mean one of the all time great teams and all the the one of the best Sixer teams of all time. I still think. Shoot, that should be a 30 for 30. I still think the 83 Sixers team was the greatest team I ever saw. That's just my opinion. Um, and, you know, you could say the 96 Bulls and all the whatever, uh, one of the Heat teams, but that 83 Sixers team was, who man, they were, they were, they were, they were lethal. But I think the Celtics look at the Lakers because the Lakers rivalry is now, is was revived in the last 15 years. Like, mm-hmm. It was dead after, like when when you know you watch Winning Time when the Celtics and Lakers, like you know Bird retired, Magic retired, and both teams hit kind of hard times in the '90s until the Lakers woke up and signed Kobe, sorry, drafted Kobe or traded for Kobe, and then got Shaq. Then they were suddenly back, and the Celtics were like, Celtics that didn't work for them, right? So even when the Sixers went to the finals in '01, the Celtics were still kind of trailing them. Or whatever, and then when the Celtics got kind of uh, back with Pierce, Allen, and Garnett, and then Kobe got Gasol, and those got Artest and Derrick mm-hmm. Fisher, suddenly the the rivalry after twenty years got revitalized. So there was a new hatred for the Lakers because it was like they faced each other two times in three years in the finals. That g- epic Game Seven in two thousand ten, one of the one, crazier games I've ever seen. I ever covered was at game seven in 2010. So I think there's more of a hatred for the Lakers because the rivalry has been revitalized, but there's still a hatred for the Sixers, but the Sixers haven't they come won. in and won. You know, like I remember 2012, the year that, you know, when it was Evan Turner and Andre Iguodala and they upset the Bulls, they were the eighth seed. And they were like, really uh, just, uh, I think under Doug Collins, I want to say Doug Collins, um, a really hard-working team, was you know, yeah, hard-working team, and the Lakers. So the Celtics had to beat them in seven because they and they were just they they were a hard-working team. And then that there's you know then the, then the Sixers go through the process 
the kind of laughing stocks and uh, you know, you should write a book on that, Keith, that whole thing. You were there for all that. Um, some of the guys they put out there in their sixer uniform um, <laughs> during those times. But um, I think it's been revitalized, but I don't think until the Sixers punch the Celtics in the mouth, win a playoff series, win something significant, do the Celtics fans probably going to respect the Sixers as like an equal rival. They yeah. still it's it's a they still hate the Lakers. And then two, they hate the Heat. The Heat, you know, over the last 15 years, when LeBron got to Miami and they face each other, the Heat has been probably their biggest rival in the Eastern Conference. And then the Heat has taken their hot, you know, the Heat took their lunch you money in the bubble. Yeah. <laughs> and then they took their lunch money last year with Jimmy Butler. And then they took them, you know, in 2012, you know, when it was kind of the last run of the big three. So that's a more hated rival in probably in our little brothers, our, you know, our, our nephews generation of hoop is because yeah. they don't remember, they're not tripping off Bird and Doc, you know, mm-hmm. they're not tripping off even, you know, Iguodala, not tripping off the, the, the 2012. They only see, they see LeBron and then now they see Jimmy Butler. So the Heat are probably the mo- the bigger rival to a younger fan than the Sixers now. Because the Sixers haven't beaten the Celtics in the playoff series. Yeah, and you know what? They look at the Sixers. like They look at Joel Embiid and like, yeah, Joel Embiid's a great player, but, you know, we have his number. I mean, you know, like I, I feel like we, we think about it. Like, remember back in the day, they were laughing about the confetti game when the confetti came out, right? Yeah. They, they also, I mean, I feel like the only time, the couple times when the Celtics got cocky in the regular season, like, all right, we beat the Sixers handily last time. Then they got punched in the mouth, right? Yeah. But aside from that, you know, when it when it really mattered, like in the playoffs, the Sixers came up short. And that's why I feel like the Sixers missed a golden opportunity this season. You know, oh, they, they were up, they were up what three games to two. And I think they would have matched well with Miami. That might Miami, the way they were playing. It would have been six or seven games. I don't think they would have like beat Miami in five. Mm-hmm. But I do think the Sixers would. I would have taken the Sixers over the Heat because now you got somebody to neutralize Bam out of bio and indeed, mm-hmm. like you just had. And I, I just think there's the Celtics had kind of a I don't I don't say fear, but they they don't have the they didn't have the toughness as the Heat had, and when they went up. In game one, where they, I think was where they lost the series, when they were up 12 points near halftime or whatever, and they were, and I think they felt like we got these fools, like we're a better team. And then Miami scored 46 points in the third quarter. That changed the entire series. And, mm-hmm. and Miami took game one. And then the Celtics, then uh, for game two, we can't lose both games at home. And they ended up losing both games at home. And then, the, you know, they gave up in game three. So, to me, the Sixers, I thought, would have matched up better because there isn't that inherent, like, dude started going back to the bubble and how things were then. I think they the Celtics got jittery. The Sixers yeah. probably would, would have been like, no, we, you know, they, the Sixers, would, especially guys like your boy P.J. Tucker, former Heat player, like, they would have probably had the mental toughness to hang with them yeah. and, and probably win that series in six or seven. Yeah, it would have been different. But look, G Wash, I appreciate you. Um, and again, if you guys haven't followed my man 
G Washburn on on Twitter. You need to do it. It's a great follow. Um, Gary, I'm gonna be honest with you. A lot of times, people we don't like subscribe in the papers um, because and I and and if you tell somebody else, I'm gonna tell you if you re- repeat this, I'm gonna tell them that you're lying. lying. But um, I subscribe to the Boston Globe, y'all, because I gotta read what Gary Washburn writes. He's straight up. He holds people accountable. Um, he he spits the truth. Um, so I follow. I, I have a subscription to the uh, the Boston Globe. And it's not a work subscription. It's my subscription. So one of those to let y'all know. But you need to follow my man. You need to follow Gary on Twitter at G Washburn at Globe. Right. G Washburn, G Washburn Globe. At yeah. Globe. Yeah. G Washburn Globe. So yeah, fuck G Washburn Globe. So no, I, I got to give you your props though. Like me, I think I think in our generation or this current generation, people expect us to be fans of the team. Expect is the roof for the team that we cover. We don't. We cover it straight up. You write the, the what's the, keeping it real on the Sixers. I know the, some of the fans don't like you. Some of the fans don't like me. They think I don't like the team or I hate the guy. Yeah. I hate the players or Missoula hates you and all that. No, it's yeah. not true. We have to write what's honest and what's real, and that's what we do. And I I think we both. I said that's the way it's supposed to be covered, in my opinion. If you want, there's other websites that will give you and other outlets that give you favorable coverage and say, hey, don't worry. The, the Sixers are going to be good. Don't worry. Yeah. You know, they're going to make Harden's going to come back and they're going to win it. But you keep it real. And I said, I want to yeah. applaud you for that. I appreciate that. I know, you know, you're a Philly guy. I know people think, well, why don't you like the Sixers, man? You hate us. And he's not, no, I ain't you right. The truth. And, and this, that's what we try yeah. to do. You got to do it. Thank you. But look, y'all, I want to thank G. Washburn. Make sure you follow him at G. Washburn Globe. Um, and then also, I'm telling you, especially this season, if you want to read some other stuff outside the Sixers, do yourself a favor and, and read my man, and especially when they do play the Sixers, read my man. But, Wash, I want to thank you for joining. I really do. It, it was a, a great 40 minutes of discussion. I want to thank y'all for listening. And you guys, you know, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast at. It's free and available. Also, you can go to the YouTube channel, Locked On 76ers YouTube. When you go there, make sure you click on that Liberty Bell. When you do that, you become a new subscriber and you get notifications when the next podcast drops. So do that. And have a great day. Have a, a blessed weekend. And watch. Seriously, man. Thanks for joining the show, bro. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, y'all. Peace.